one summer when I was working so hard that I didn't have time to plant tomatoes, I was like, God, I think I need to do something else. So I like to say that gardening is the antidote to politics. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 336. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. If you are looking for your next audiobook read, I'd love to connect you with one of my own books read by yours truly. Don't Overthink It might be just what you need this summer season to streamline your decisions and bring more joy to your life. Or this might be a perfect time to dive into I'd Rather Be Reading, which is full of relatable reflections on the reading life and perfect inspiration for an on-the-go summer reader. Find all my books and get your copies on Libro FM, Audible, or Overdrive today. Readers, June is audiobook month, and today's guest sent in her submission to the show in perfect time to celebrate with us. Jackie Brantz works as a gardener and florist on a private estate. Her job is to keep the plants happy and thriving, and this occupation also gives her ample opportunity to enjoy another of her great loves, reading. Jackie knows she relishes listening to a great audiobook to while away the work hours. Yet sometimes, as you'll hear, she struggles to find the right fit and ends up reverting to podcasts. While, listen, we all enjoy a good podcast around here, that's not what she ultimately wants to be listening to the whole workday. And you know, that's where I come in. Today, Jackie and I discuss crafting a formula to guide her audiobook selections and identifying a few titles that fit her reading tastes, specifically her reading tastes in this format. Along the way, we cover finding the right titles to read on audio versus in print, reading around the whole world, and her library's book bingo, which plays a significant factor in Jackie's reading selections in this particular season. I can't wait for you to listen in. Let's get to it. Jackie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. Oh, it's my pleasure. I can't wait to dig into your reading life. And the timing is wonderful because June is audiobook month, but no matter when you're listening to this, this is going to be a really fun conversation. And thank you for having it with me. Yeah. Okay. So Jackie, where are you in the world right now? I live in Seattle. What do you do when you're not podcasting for What Should I Read Next? I work as a gardener and a florist on a private estate. So my thumb used to be brown. Now it's just a touch green. (laughs) So tell me like the kinds of things you do in a typical work week. I'm very lucky. I have a job that's pretty 7.30 to 4 o'clock. Normal day, I'll water containers. Most of the uh, plants will have an irrigation system and I'll deadhead perennials. This is like a summer day. You know, do some light pruning, like if there's deadwooding to do just your basic garden task, you know, cutting back uh, anything that's gotten ungangly. You keep everything looking pretty. Yes, very tidy. That sounds lovely. So paint us a picture. What does your landscape that you tend look like? There's a lot of 
shrubs, you know, evergreens, broadleaf evergreens and conifers. There's a lot of perennials. There's a little bit of annual flowers. We are so lucky in the Northwest. It's almost a perfect gardening climate. Um, we can grow anything. The broadleaf evergreens, I think we're really lucky that we have here. There's some lawns. I'm lucky I don't have to do a lot of lawn care. Not my favorite. I am the florist also, so I take care of the cutting garden, picking plants to grow oh, there. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really, yeah, the flowers are the cream of the job, I think. What do your floor duties entail? You know, I just provide flowers uh, for the house. And if there's, you know, any event or something like that, sometimes for meetings. Okay. Always looking cheerful with fresh and locally grown flowers. Jackie, how did you get into that line of work? Well, I did a bit of a mid-career change. I worked in politics for a long time. And one summer when I was working so hard that I didn't have time to plant tomatoes, I was like, God, I think I need to do something else. So I like to say that gardening is the antidote to politics. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was a big career shift and change. I went back to school, studied horticulture, and I made a rule, no meetings. I've broken it, but... For the most part, I don't have to go to meetings. Okay. So compared to your before life, this is your meeting-free garden green existence. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think many readers do not yet realize that your job is actually the job they covet. (laughs) (laughs) But but tell me a little bit about your working rhythms and how that plays into your reading life. I I know just enough to ask that question right Right. now. Well, so one of the nice things is, you know, because my work is really hands-on, I can plug in a podcast or an audio book and then just go about my work. And I have to carry a phone anyway, keep it in my back pocket. I have my wireless headphones. And then, you know, as I'm pruning or as I'm doing a flower arrangement, I can listen eight hours a day. So it's it's a bit of a luxury. Sometimes I struggle on finding things that I really want to listen to. That's why I put in my submission. It's a bit of a luxury. That sounds like a bit of an understatement. (laughs) Yeah, I, I realize. Yeah, sometimes we don't always appreciate the benefits that we have. So that sounds like a joy to be able to listen to so many books as you go about your work. But it sounds like it's not easy to find so many books that you actually want to listen to. Yeah, I think the struggle for me is there are some books that I would be totally absorbed with if I'm reading them as a book and they don't always grab me the same way on audiobooks. So I know when I find an audiobook that I love, I just want to listen to it all the time and I'm not <laughs> lured away by a podcast, which uh-huh. sometimes feel a little more frivolous than, you know, checking a book off my list that I've been meaning to get to. Well, that is the tension, right? Like you told us in your submission and readers, Jackie filled out our submission at what should I read next podcast.com slash guest. You told us in your submission that your biggest challenge is finding audiobooks that hold your attention so that you don't default to podcasts and that you're trying to find a formula, which I'm intrigued by. First of all, friends, we're all listening to a podcast here. So <laughs> we, we love podcasts. We believe in podcasts. And also I hear what you're saying, that you want to be listening to whatever you're listening to because you chose it, not because you felt like you couldn't find something that you would have preferred in that moment. So you default to podcasts when you can't find the right book. Uh, What are some of the podcasts that really capture your attention that you do look forward to and enjoy listening to while you work? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of great podcasts and there are plenty that, you know, I don't feel like I'm defaulting when I listen to. 
a lot of books podcasts. There's a couple British ones that are really great. I mentioned Slightly Foxed in my submission. I also like Backlisted, which has the benefit a lot of times it's easier to find an audiobook quickly in a library app if it's an older book. So a lot of times I do try to find backlisted books to listen to. And then another podcast I love, which is, the I think, like almost the opposite of yours, uh, is the, <laughs> the Marlin, Marlin and Jake Read Dead Authors. So they only talk about dead writers so they can be really snarky and rude and as honest <laughs> as possible. And then the other way it's different than your podcast is it's completely random. Like you don't know when you're going to get one. It's when Marlon James, who's one of the podcasters, is a writer. When he's not on book tour, he's not writing. So it's not predictable. But if it pops in, it's always a fun listen. And then yours is lovely because it's so reliable. I always know on Tuesdays, usually the same day that I'm watering houseplants, you know, I pop in. <laughs> <laughs> I love that what should I read next goes with the houseplant watering. Yeah, yeah. It's that, that's my route. <laughs> Okay, but you would love to find more of these audiobooks that hold your attention. We will explore that in this episode. But before we get into that, would you give me a broad strokes picture of your reading life? How would you describe what it looks like in this season of your life? You know, I feel like I've just been on a tear the last few years where I've been really focused on reading a lot. And I think part of that is because I've been tracking it more, you know, talking to other readers I really started listening to audiobooks when I did the Seattle Library book bingo because it's 25 books in about three months. The only way I'm going to do this is if I'm also doing it while I'm working and I cannot like hide under a rhod rhododendron and read a book at work. So the audiobooks, it has to be. I found that some of them, you know, I just couldn't wait to get back to. I love the audiobooks, but some of them, they're books I liked. I just wasn't as drawn to. So that's sort of that where my search goes. Uh, but for reading books outside of work, you know, we have, I have a routine. I usually read maybe 15 minutes in the morning before I go to work. And then after dinner, our habit, my husband and I, we just sit on the couch and read, you know, for an hour or so. So it's just part of our routine. Oh, that sounds lovely. It's really nice. Yeah. Do you have any hunches about what kinds of audiobooks hold your attention? Now, you mentioned that enjoying a book in print and enjoying it as an audiobook are often two different things. How far have you gotten in your quest to determine which kinds of books work in which format for you? So one book that I absolutely loved in audiobook, weirdly, is a book about Chernobyl, it's a nonfiction, and it came out a few years ago. The HBO <laughs> series was on. I know, this sounds crazy. No, no, I'm laughing because i just thinking, like, what kinds of books might Jackie be interested in? I wondered if Midnight in Chernobyl might be one. Yes, yeah. And it was so great on audiobook. Like, I couldn't wait to get back to it. And then there's other books I really liked. Like, I liked American Spy by uh, Lauren Wilkinson. Oh, yeah. It was a little harder on audiobook, and I and it was one of those books where I thought, I bet if I read this, I would tear through it. There was so much I liked about it, um, but it was a little like I have to make sure I listen to that. Something I love about that audiobook is it's narrated by Bonnie Turpin. And y'all know that I love Bonnie Turpin. I wonder what it is that sometimes makes audiobooks hard for you. I read American Spy. I really enjoyed it. I read it in print. And I remember doing a lot of page flipping back and forth mm -hmm. to note the characters and to see who was who. Because readers, this is unsurprisingly a spy novel. And it has to do with African history that I do not know much about. I mean, I learned a lot reading the book, but going in, I knew very little. I think that's why I ended up turning the pages back and forth so often. And I'm wondering if that might have been a factor in your own reading. There might have been a little bit of that. 
I mean, the great, there were so many great things about that book. One is you learned history of a country that we don't know much about. And literally, I think the week after I finished it, there was a trial that took place of that assassination that's featured in the book. And I was like, oh, I know about this because I read the book, which is part of, you know, why I want to read things from other places is it hooks you into whatever news is happening in the world. But like I said, I think on paper, I would have enjoyed it even more. So our mission today is to identify here in Audiobook Month, here staring down the Seattle book bingo with its 25 (laughs) books in three months, some audiobooks that not only like you'll enjoy the book, but it'll be a great listening experience specifically. Jackie, I have to say, this is especially fun for me because your listening tastes, I can already tell, are different than mine. (laughs) You know what we do on What Should I Read Next is dig deep into one reader's reading life because it helps you recognize so much about your own reading life as you're listening. So Jackie, whether listeners completely identify with you or not at all, you can still learn so much about yourself. I feel like the truth emerges because you resonate so much with someone's experience, but also it emerges in contrast. And we get to do both here. I've noticed that listening to your podcast for sure. Well, Jackie, you know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you've been reading lately. And we will talk about what audiobooks you may enjoy reading next. First, I'd love to hear how you chose these books for today. I was trying to cover broadly areas that I'm interested in. So the first book I I put down was The Orphan Master's Son by Adam Johnson. I guess you would call it historical fiction in a way or contemporary. I don't know. It takes place in North Korea. uh, So you learn a lot. It was fascinating. It was just so fascinating, such a different environment. And the story is a great story. It was really gripping. But my favorite part when it's a historical novel or partly fact-based is the epilogue where he tells you what's really true from history and what he made <laughs> yes. up. And it's so shocking. The author's note where they say, yeah, like, this is real. This is where I took liberties. Yeah. And it's stuck in my mind. Like, I, I always go back to that. And it's probably been six or seven years since I read it. That was The Orphan Master's Son. Did you read that in print or? I read it in print. And this next book I also read in print I, my mind had tricked me thinking I had listened to it on audiobook. Oh, interesting. I know. It's uh, Say Nothing by Patrick Rodden Keith. Yes. It's nonfiction. It takes place in Ireland. It's about the troubles. But he, he's so great at narrative nonfiction that it reads like a novel. But I remember talking to someone about it, and I was convinced I'd listened to it on audiobook. I think he just paints this picture with words that when I went back, I realized, no, 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 I got that from the library. I read it. A memory came back of me sitting on the couch and just saying over and over again to my husband, oh my God, this book is so good. You have to read it. (laughs) I've heard wonderful things. Readers, if you're thinking you know the name Patrick Radden Keefe, but you don't know Say Nothing, I wonder if it's because you're thinking of his more recent release, Empire of Pain, Mm -hmm. about the opioid crisis. So Jackie, you were convinced that you had listened to this. It makes me wonder if this is the kind of book that you really enjoy listening to typically. Yes. I mean, that's one of the reasons I put it on the list because I was like, I bet that, I mean, that's exactly the kind of narrative nonfiction that usually just has me, you know, itching to put the headphones back in. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you want to just know what happens next, you know, there's some fascinating tidbit. Um, And this book is written almost like a mystery. Like he really does come get to the bottom of some things that we didn't know before about Northern Ireland and people's participation and what happened. You know, there was, I think it's Boston University that had 
this trove of interviews that they had promised they were not going to release for a long time with participants yeah. in the troubles. But through a lot that's talked about in the book, those papers got released and they had implications. I can't say enough about how gripping the story was. It's not fiction. It's, you know, it's all true. What made you decide to read this? I think once again, <laughs> I heard an interview with the author and I thought, oh, that uh-huh. sounds great. And I think Oh, you know, one of the podcasts I listen to, it's a politics podcast, but they also do at the end of the show, they do recommendations. And one of them uh-huh. had recommended it. And he said, oh, my God, it's so gripping. OK, so you quit the political job, but still listen to the politics podcasts. You know, I would listen to a lot of political podcasts. And at some point, my head was starting to explode and I had to move on to books or other things. <laughs> but the same interests that drew you to this field still show up in your reading life oh, all yeah, the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like. Definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That was Say Nothing. Jackie, what did you choose to complete your favorites list? I picked Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I love mysteries. So I read a lot. I like, you know, Tana French and I like Louise Penny and, you know, it's a genre that I really enjoy. And then Kate Atkinson had a series of mysteries that she wrote. And then this is part of a, I think it's a trilogy. Maybe there's four books. It's not a mystery book, but she has a lot of the skills of a good mystery writer. It's much more literary than that kept having to go back the, at the beginning of the book to figure out how the plot was going because it's such an unusual <laughs> plot structure and yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm laughing because I remember that experience. Myself. Yeah. Like, what is happening here? Yeah. And then once I figured it out, then I was like, oh, okay, this has got me totally engrossed. And so I've read every the next two books after that. She's one of my favorites, I would say. Jackie, did you know she has a new one coming out this fall? Oh, I didn't know that, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad to hear it. I think it's a standalone, I think. Mm -hmm. But what I know for sure is I want to read this. Coming this September. Okay, Jackie, tell me about a book that wasn't right for you. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was not a book I enjoyed. (laughs) This is how it's in my memory. I read it in college. Mm -hmm. All these boys were like, oh my gosh, you have to read it. (laughs) And I went along and I was like, yeah, no, this is not for me. I think there's a little bit of the absurdist humor of it is just not, you know, not what I'm into. I'm not really into science fiction, so that's two strikes against it. And I knew I really didn't like it when, you know, I had kept my list of books that I read, and it was always at the very top part because of the author, the Adams. And I finally uh deleted it because I got tired of seeing it at the top (laughs) of my list of books. (laughs) So the wackiness of this book was not for you. Yeah, I think that was it, yeah. Jackie, what have you been reading lately? So this is an interesting book. I listened to it on audiobook called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. She's a Polish author, Olga Tokarczuk. But she won the Nobel Prize a few years ago. So I kind of was like, oh, that's interesting. And she came out with a book just recently that sounded great, but was something like 800 pages. And I wasn't quite ready to tackle that. And this is Mm -hmm. an earlier book she wrote. And it's a mystery. It's a woman who lives in a Polish village, and she's always just never quite figured out her situation, I would, I guess I would say, you know, fitting in with other people and fitting in work situations and things like that. And she's a little isolated, and it talks about her encounters with the other people that live in the small village. And then there's a great, like, turn about three-quarters through. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Now that you've read... 
the shorter work do you think you might pick up? Is it the books of Jacob? Is yes, that the one that's that you it. were um, eyeing? Yep, exactly. And, you know, I, yeah, I definitely want to read it mostly because, you know, anything about like cult leader type person is enthralling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Yeah, I intend to check it out. But, you know, 800 books with the book bingo sets me back. So I'll probably wait. Till oh, fall. <laughs> yeah. So summer reading priorities. Are there any other books you've enjoyed lately? I just finished Let's Go by Jeff Tweedy. And he's with the band Wilco. Um, and that's a band I've always liked. So, it, yeah, that was really good. He was really honest, I thought. He talked about some things that aren't necessarily just about, you know, the biography of his life, but also about what it's like to be a creative person. I love a good rock and roll memoir on audiobook. Those are always really gripping. Like I can totally rip through those on audiobook for some reason. That was a good one. Keith Richards' book is great, Life. I've heard that. I haven't read it though. Yeah, it's really, it was really interesting and gripping all the way through. And, um, you know, I think the thing about a rock and roll biography is it's so different than I am. Like, I am a rule follower. You know, I am not always fighting the man like Keith Richards is. <laughs> um, and, you know, just being in someone else's mindset, like, it's a totally different way to live your life. So I think that's why I find them pretty fascinating. And if you like music, you know, you want to know about the people who created it. Keith Richards' book is enormous, is it not? It's pretty long. Mm-hmm. You mentioned being intimidated by the the newer Olga Tokarczyk that's a thousand pages long. But I have noticed that some of your favorite audiobooks are pretty hefty. Yeah. You know, I think it is because if if I'm pulled in, you know, I can do a long book. You know, The Power Broker was so long. It was one of those ones I went back to really quickly and easily. Okay. So you'll listen to a 66-hour audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> I've never listened to an audiobook that long. Um, is that how long it is? Oh, my God. Jackie, what would you like to be different in your reading life? I think the books in translation are a new interest. And part of that is because, you know, when I was looking at, you know, my list of countries and what books I've read from where, a lot of times it was um, an American author or maybe a British author writing about another country, not where they were from. And I uh-huh. thought, you know, if I really want to know these countries, if I read uh, books from writers from that area, and a lot of times those are books in translation. The book that I mentioned from the Polish author, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. I just like saying that title. <laughs> that was a book in translation. And I just think, um, you know, there's often just a different quality to the writing that's interesting from always reading in English. All right. Let's see what we got here. Okay. So, Jackie, the books that you love are The Orphan Master's Son by Adam Johnson, Say Nothing by Patrick Radden Keefe, and Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was not for you. Um, the absurdist humor, just you didn't find that appealing to your taste. And that is not shocking to me, given what you've said. So you love titles that let you learn the details of history you already knew and history that was previously unknown to you. And that's especially appealing in recent years, which is interesting to me. Um, You love stories about real life and real life events that really bring it home to you when you get to read a whole book about it. And you love to read things from other places that hook you into what's happening in the world. You also really like it when a book makes you want to know what happens next. And for you, that's not necessarily like the next stunning plot twist, but what happens next in a real life, the history of a place or a fascinating exploration of a 
true crime case or, you know, you talked about those cult leaders, but I got, I'm going to tell you right now, I got nothing on that front that I bet you haven't seen before, but I'm excited to see where we can go around the imaginary bookstore in our heads, but also around the world. Oh, and you're interested in reading more work in translation, which is a fairly new goal for you. Yeah, I'd say that's okay. And also you are really interested in making your way through the Seattle Public Library book bingo. So readers, the the (laughs) book bingo card's available online, but just to give you some idea, I don't know, some of the squares are a book set south of the equator, a book you've been meaning to read, a book focused on a hobby or skill. Um, You can reread a childhood favorite. Ooh, a book set somewhere you'd like to visit. Jackie, how far have you gotten? I have read Passing for the book to screen category. I just started uh, Carol for the LGBTQ love story. Oh, I know what I'm listening to. And I'm actually really, I am really gripped by it. So this is a good example is Robinson Crusoe for a childhood favorite. Well, I think some of the books we're going to talk about can do double duty, but ultimately (laughs) you'll have to be the one to decide that. (laughs) Okay. To start, let's see. There are several nonfiction authors springing to mind that I really think you may enjoy reading who have robust catalogs. But I think what I'd like to try first, and we'll see if this sticks, is books that may be a little more beneath the radar than some of those um, authors that I imagine you've heard of and may, may have already read. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. The first one I want to recommend is a novel. And I'm wondering, based on what you said, if you will love this on audio or not, I'll let you be the judge of that. But I do think there's a lot here in this story to appeal to you. The book is called Hades Argentina. It's by a literary editor whose name is Daniel Lodell. Is this a book that you are familiar with yet? No, I haven't heard anything about it. Okay. Well, I'm not sorry to hear that. It's, it's fairly recent. It came out just in the past year or two. And while this is not a book in translation, Lodell was born to an Argentine father and an American mother. He was born in New York City, despite those roots that he had in Argentina. But his protagonist is a literary translator. And I think that uh. could be really interesting for you here. So this is a little bit like we talked about with the Anshin novel, The Last Exiles or The Orphan Master's son. It is not quite historical fiction, but it is awfully close. This story is set in the late 1970s and early 80s. It starts in New York City, but there's an inciting incident right at the beginning of the book that pulls the protagonist back home to Buenos Aires. So what we find out is that he has been hiding out in the United States. He kind of ran away from his life for eight years. He got married. A year later, he's already sleeping on the couch. He is not in a good place. Uh, I'll tell you right now, there are a lot of content warnings, listeners, for this book. If you're a sensitive reader, maybe do a little research or check out those um, Goodreads reviews or the content warnings on Storygraph before digging in. Readers familiar with Argentine history will recognize the setting as being during often called the Dirty War in Argentina. And that was just a horrible time following the coup that removed um, Perón from power. So in the book, Tomas, our translator, uh, gets pulled back into Argentina to try to track down his half-sister that has disappeared because of something that happened during the Dirty War. And it was not uncommon for people to be just disappeared. And that was the verb that was used during that time period. Something I didn't realize when I first read the book is that the story was actually inspired by Lodell's own half-sister who disappeared. Mm. 
And something he's talked about that's really interesting is that how he intimately knew, even though his sister was never talked about, what it felt like to have like a ghost hanging over the mm. family. Because even though he didn't even live in Argentina, he didn't set foot in the country until he was 22. Um, he he knew what that felt like. Jackie, you really like books, it seems, that are thoroughly in touch with the real world. And also, I wonder if this might be a book for that challenge that's a little bit outside your comfort zone, because it's very much in the tradition of great South American literary works. Um, there is surrealism here mm. in this story. And Lodell said like that he tried to write a realist novel and he tried to write a realist novel and he wanted everything to be completely like accurate and on the page, but he couldn't quite do it without writing something that felt a little more like a ghost story and that did have some supernatural elements. And this isn't mm -hmm. fantasy, but it does try to portray like the emotional journey that his protagonist is taking. So it's called Hades Argentina. So you can tell that he's not entering a good place as he tries to put to rest these ghosts from the past. But I think the way it explores real history and real human nature in a setting that I'm not sure how familiar you are with the history of Argentina, but I think that this could be a really interesting opportunity to learn more about a people and a place and an experience. How does that sound? That sounds really great. And actually, it's something I would be really interested in knowing. I know a little bit about that era in Argentina, but I'd love to delve in. This sounds great. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> this is narrated by Christian Barrias. And I get the impression that you care about literary awards. This was a finalist and long listed for several. I'm interested in hearing if this is one you might do on audio versus print. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a shot. It's one of those ones where there's enough background information where you learn about a place that pulls me in. I'm happy to hear it. Okay. How do you feel about Cuba? Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. So yes. Ada Ferrer, who is also has New York City connections, she's a Cuban-American historian who teaches at NYU. She has a new-ish book out that won the Pulitzer, won the Pulitzer Prize in history and also other book prizes in history. The book is Cuba and American History. It's almost 600 pages. This is 20 something hours on audio. And I think this is the kind of book that is squarely in your, this is what Jackie likes to listen to on audio. And I hope with that length um, that it's not overwhelming, but that it feels promising that you'll have many days of gardening to do while you still get to listen to the story and find out what happens next. So this is a sweeping story that packs five centuries of history into a book that is not that long considering. And she does build a momentum and a real sense of narrative drive into these historical events. So she starts in the era of Columbus and takes us right through the present day where she's talking about the collapse of the Soviet Union, um, how Obama opened the country to Americans again, but then they closed quickly again under Trump. And she speculates on what may happen in the years to come that we are living in right now. But throughout, what she argues is that Cuba is part of the history of American capitalism with its, its sugar, the slavery that they are on the island. And her focus in the book is on the Cuban people, not just like grand political leaders, although they're certainly in the pages, but really what she's prioritizing in her storytelling is the Cuban people. And what she says she wants to do in this story is to provide a mirror for U.S. readers so that we can see our own country refracted through the eyes of another country, another people. I think you may enjoy being able to see some of the touchstones 
through the centuries that you know and having them just fleshed out with so much detail that you just didn't even know to wonder about. How does that kind of story sound to you? That sounds great. I mean, I think, you know, we hear so much about the recent Cuban history in the news, you know, and I've, you know, read things off and on about that. But to go back that far would, I think that would be really fascinating. That was Cuba and American History by Ada Ferrer. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have not heard the audio because this book is not out yet. I've only read the print, but it would take us to Japan. Mm, Okay. The book is Diary of a Void. It's by Emmy Yagi. It's narrated by Nancy Wu, should you choose to pick it up in that setting. And it's translated by David Boyd and Lucy North. Jackie, I think this could be a lot of fun for you. We talked about what you learn by reading books in translation. And something that's really interesting in this book is right at the beginning, the translators, and for this book, they are David Boyd and Lucy North, give you a note to explain basically the limits of translation right at the beginning. They say that Diary of a Void in the Japanese is this like really clever and playful play on words to the Japanese Maternal and Child Health Handbook, which is this notebook that all expectant mothers in the country get to record the details of their pregnancies. And what happens not just during pregnancy, but also until their child is six years old. And the book has a name and every woman gets it. And if you live in Japan, you know, like this is part of your culture. But Diary of a Void is just a slight spin on what that Maternal and Child Health Handbook is called in Japan. So right at the beginning, they're like, this is a book in translation. This is going to be fun. You're going to get it. But let us tell you right now what you're not getting because you're reading it in English. The premise of this is so clever and fun and also subversive. It's Mm -hmm. about a 34-year-old white-collar employee. She works for a company that makes cardboard tubes and the office is in Tokyo. And she's a full-time employee, steady job, She's kind of overworked and she's gotten to resent it. And what she really resents is the kind of thing that happens right at the beginning of the story. She's a woman. She's in the office. She's not the lowest woman seniority wise, but she is a woman. And so when the big boss wants the coffee cups cleared from the big meeting or somebody needs to make the coffee, he looks at her. So everybody looks at her. And one day she has finally had enough after protesting, like, I'm, this shouldn't be my job just because I'm a woman. And just because, you know, like, why are you looking at me? <laughs> so when One day she's like, you know what? I can't do it. It makes me nauseous because I am pregnant. But she's not pregnant. She's not pregnant. She just wanted a way out. So what she's done right at the beginning of the story is she set up this ticking time bomb like you usually have in a very different kind of story because... Even though she says, oh, just uh, just five weeks. And everybody's like, you don't usually tell people that early. But what she's done is bought herself as much time as possible to figure it out. But this diary of a void is her journal of all her experiences and how her life changes after she begins to pretend she's pregnant in the office and how she begins to compensate by, you know, packing scarves and dish towels under her belly. So she looks pregnant, but she starts doing the things a pregnant woman would do, like eating differently and going to prenatal yoga. And the way that the reality and her lie that she's living uh, begin to blur are really 
really interesting. And this book is, I imagine, doesn't have much in common with other books you will have read before. You said that you love reading books in translation because you often find surprises in different kinds of stories. And I think this could be fun for you. Yeah, that sounds great. You know, it sounds like she's painting herself into a corner and like, how is she going to get out of this? It sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) That is the question. Now, this is not a super long book in the neighborhood of 250 pages. I think the audio run length is going to be about seven hours. So this won't keep you occupied for weeks, but I hope the time that it does keep you occupied feels very enjoyable. Yeah, that's perfect. And it'll fit right into one of my book bingo categories. Oh, which one is it going to be? Well, I think, you know, someplace you'd like to visit. Well, I sure would, but it's your card. (laughs) As for a couple authors who write the kinds of books that I imagine that you would really enjoy. I mean, some of the obvious ones that came to mind were Candace Millard. Have you read her books before? No. Oh, really? Uh Uh-uh. She is an American journalist who documents all the details of these stories that you might know the glimpses of, but definitely don't know the details in the same kind of way that you would find in Say Nothing, which of course is a very different story. Um, she has a new one that just released in May called River of the Gods. Uh, the subtitle is Genius, Courage, and Betrayal in the Search for the Source of the Nile. So that's taking oh. you to a different continent. But she's also written a lot about American history, about presidential history. Um, The first book I read by her was Destiny of the Republic, a tale of madness, medicine, and the murder of a president. And that's about Garfield and the assassination attempt and what led up to it and what actually did kill him, which was basically terrible medical care. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that one. I've heard her interviewed before. But I have not read her before, so. Well, take a look at her books and the settings and think about where you want to go. I think maybe the new one, because it takes you to the Nile instead of Mm -hmm. keeping you in the U.S. or taking you to Britain, because you've read lots of those books. Mm -hmm. But I think any of those works just would really appeal to your tastes and interests. Okay, Jackie, of the books we talked about today, we talked about a lot of books today, but Mm. of the three, they were Hades, Argentina by Daniel Lodell. Cuba in American History by Ada Ferrer and Diary of a Void by Emmy Yagi. Of those works, what do you think you may read next? I think I would start with Hades, Argentina, but I'm going to put them all on my hold list, the library. And, you know, just depending on the weights, I might just swing by the bookstore. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think. And I hope it brings you many hours of reading pleasure. Jackie, thank you so much for talking books with me today. And thank you so much. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Jackie, and I'd love to hear what you think she should read next. Check out our full list of titles we talked about at what should I read next podcast.com slash 336. And if a title came to mind while you were listening that you think Jackie would love, drop that there in the comments. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at what should I read next podcast.com slash newsletter. Each week, I send out a quick and breezy newsletter inspired by our podcast format, sharing three things I've loved, one thing I don't, and what I've been reading lately. Another place to keep up with everything happening here is on Instagram, where we are at What Should I Read Next? And I'm there, my personal account, Ann Bogle. That's Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. We are still so enjoying seeing all your summer reading posts. Tag us there, use the hashtag MMD for Modern Mrs. Darcy, MMD Summer Reading to share about your summer reading picks. If you haven't ordered your What Should I Read Next gear, be sure to check out our t-shirt, our book bag, and book darts over at What Should I Read Next 
podcast.com slash store. Follow along in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We are taking a break next week, but we will be back July 5th to chat with a guest about how to become a library power user. Thanks to the people who make the show happen. What Should I Read Next is produced by Brenna Frederick with scripts by Holly Wickacheski and sound design by Kellen Pekacek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. <laughs>